0: It's a real honor and a pleasure to be here this morning. And uh, you know, as Mark mentioned, I'm a longtime TV guy here in town and uh, worked at Channel 4 for many years and I've covered just about every sporting event you can imagine from the Broncos Super Bowl victories, yeah, to the Rockies in the World Series, yeah, to uh, the Avs in the Stanley Cups, The Nuggets have never been in the NBA Finals, but uh, I was in Seattle that game where Dikembe was celebrating on the floor when they upset the Sonics. That's one of my real uh, powerful memories of that. The Buffs, we got any Buff fans here? Yeah, all the national championships. So I've been very blessed that I've been able to travel the world, Olympic Games, travel the world and cover sports, got paid to do it. And then I went over to Channel 9 for four years and co-hosted a show called Colorado and Company. Anybody ever watched that show? Anybody ever been on that show? Yeah. Um, my big claim to fame, it's on at 10 o'clock in the morning during the week, so you might not see it, but it's, it's geared more toward the ladies. And uh, my big claim to fame on that was Olivia Newton-John sang happy birthday to me one time. You betcha. I almost dropped my birthday cake in her lap, but uh, that's... <laughs> And these days I'm back over Channel 4, I'm a shameless pitch man for companies on a show called Help Team 4. So if you're looking for a good car loan, Public Service Credit Union's got one for you. Give us a call, 303-831-4357. But uh, I think I'm just curious by nature. That's why I think that's what drew me to being a journalist. You know, I love covering the events, engaging the newsmakers, and finding the story. You know, the... Winners and the losers, the triumphs, the tragedies, those moments that make you say, wow, and those moments that make you say, ow. You might be sitting there going, what the heck does that have to do with Novation Church on Sunday, March 22nd, 2015? Well, I kind of feel like I'm covering the event. Scott's off. It's an event. Engaging the newsmakers. That would be you all in finding the story. What's the story? And there's been a series, leadership is. And today, leadership is inspiration. And as I share my testimony, I call it the spiritual six pack. I like to encourage people to get intoxicated on the spiritual six pack. As I share my testimony in the spiritual six pack, I hope it inspires you all to deepen your journey in faith. Sound like a plan? All those in favor, say amen. Amen. All right, my spiritual journey really began when I was a sophomore in high school, and that was a long time ago. My football coach, I was lucky enough that back in my day, high school was sophomore through senior. And I was lucky enough that when I arrived at Raytown South High School as a sophomore, I won the starting varsity quarterback job. And the varsity football coach was a man by the name of Vance Morris. And Vance Morris was an incredible man, very strong Christian, and he led our Fellowship of Christian Athletes huddle group. And that was really the start of my spiritual journey. And I must admit, prior to that, I thought Christians were a bunch of pansies. You couldn't be a tough football player and be a Christian. But I found out that was far different. And so I just loved going to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes huddle groups that we had every Monday. Now, Coach Morris left after my sophomore year, and he moved on to a college coaching job at Austin College in Sherman, Texas, which is about 60 miles north of Dallas, and that'll be important here in just a second. So my high school athletic career continued, and by the time I was a senior in high school, I was a pretty successful athlete. I was a three-sport high school All-American. I was a quarterback in football, point guard in basketball, and a center fielder in baseball. I take you back to February of 1976, I had just signed my letter of intent to play football and baseball at the University of Missouri. I was the starting point guard on the number one ranked basketball team in the state of Missouri, and in June of 1976, I was projected to be a first-round selection in the amateur baseball draft. I was what they call a five-tool player. I was a center fielder. I could run, I could throw, I could field, I could hit, and I could hit with power. So I'm just living my athletic dreams. Life could not have been better. I'm just running down the floor in a high school basketball game. I was looking back over my shoulder to catch a pass from a teammate, and then I was just gonna lay it in for an easy layup. When a guy on the other team lunged and knocked the ball away, he missed the ball and he poked me in the eye. Drove my eyeball deep into my brain, which led to a rapid drop in blood pressure. So I'm staggering across the court. I couldn't see a thing, and just a few feet from the bench, I went down on my whole upper left side. I don't remember any of this, but I was laying there in a pool of blood. Blood is pouring out of my left ear. I was in seizure, they had to stop the game, throw me in the back of an ambulance, whisk me off to the hospital. I had fractured my skull, suffered a severe concussion, which today they would call a traumatic brain injury. Broke all the bones in my middle ear that control your equilibrium and depth perception so I could no longer judge fly balls. When I went down, I tore up all the rotator cuff muscles in my left shoulder. I'm left-handed. I couldn't throw anymore. I'm deaf in my left ear from, bam, hitting the floor. I've had a cataract repaired in this eye 15 years ago from the poke, and I got a cataract in this eye from, bam, hitting the floor. So if you want to take me out this morning, come from the left side because I won't see you and I won't hear you. I'm real vulnerable from the left side. My athletic career was over from this freak poke in the eye. So I went off to the University of Missouri. They honored my scholarship. I'm very grateful for that. But I was lost. I was an athlete, and I could no longer compete. So I made a critical decision. I'm a competitor. I said, by golly, if I can't be the best athlete, I'm going to be the best partier. I gave it the good old college try. I can promise you that much. But by the time I was a senior in college, ladies and gentlemen, I was so despondent that my plan for my life had not gone the way I had planned, I would get so intoxicated at the bars of Columbia, Missouri, I wouldn't remember driving home. That was nothing. But I'd wake up the next day, hungover and hungry about noon, one o'clock. I'd go out to get in my car. My car would still be running with the keys in the ignition, door wide open. It was almost like, take my car, take my life. I don't care about any of it but thank goodness I never got a DUI, I never hit anything and injured myself, and thank goodness I never hit anybody else. So I stagger out of college, trying to figure out what the heck I'm gonna do with my life, and I got a job with Frito-Lay in Dallas, Texas. 60 miles up the road is Vance Morris, who started my spiritual journey about seven years earlier. So. The first night I was in Dallas, Coach Morris and I got together. We had dinner. We wrapped up dinner. He's driving away, and all of a sudden, he just slams on the brakes, and he's backing up real fast. He jumps out of his car. He throws open the trunk, and he's rummaging around in a duffel bag in his trunk. And all of a sudden, he pulls something out and says, here, I want you to have this. And it was the torn and tattered Fellowship of Christian Athletes Bible that he used to use to lead our huddle group. And he said, Mark, I just got a feeling you need this right now. And I started reading that Bible, and I read it from front cover to back twice like it was a book. And that was really the birth of my spiritual journey. And so I'd like today to share with you the spiritual six-pack. There are six Bible verses that are really the foundation of my life. I share them with you all, and I hope that you find some value in it. All those in favor, say amen. amen. The first, Jeremiah 29-11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not harm you, to give you hope in a future. And I love it that it goes on. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. I will, you will seek me and find me. You will seek me with all your heart. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Suddenly I started reading that, and I was going, wow. Okay, I planned on being in the big leagues by the time I was 21, And uh, getting 3,000 hits, going into the Hall of Fame, blah, blah, blah. But God's got a different plan for me. Has anybody's life gone exactly the way you planned? Huh? No, right? We all have those moments in life where we're sitting there going, what the heck is going on around here? Anybody else can relate? Yeah, right? Nobody's life has gone exactly the way we planned. But suddenly I said, okay, I understand this, Lord. And I just want to encourage you all. I would suspect that there's some stuff going on out there, right? Anybody got anything going on physically, emotionally, financially? Yeah. But God's got a plan for us. And it's a plan to prosper and not harm us, to give us hope in a future. And that's not easy to believe sometimes when the storms of life are hitting us. But we got to just hang in there. It has been so helpful to me. To kind of continue with the other pokes in the eye of my life, I've been through two painful divorces. I'm married for a third time. I'll get into that in just a second. I've been through two painful divorces. I have a child from each marriage. I fought hard to keep each marriage together, but I wasn't successful. Been through the layoffs of the media world. 18 years at Channel 4, job eliminated. Four years at Channel 9, job eliminated. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And I'll never forget when my first marriage was falling apart. We were married for eight years. We had a son. He was now five years old, and my wife left me for another man. And I'll never forget having to fly our then five-year-old son. He's now 25. He lives in New York. He's on the riding team for Late Night with Seth Meyers. Anybody watch Late Night with Seth Meyers? I can't stay up that late, I never watch it. But the ratings are good, so that's good. Kyle's five years old. I have to fly him to Tampa, Florida, to hook up with his mom, who's down there seeing her friend. We're walking through the Tampa airport. I'm holding my son's hand. And he's going, Dad, why, why are we here? And I said, well, we're down here to see your mom. Why's mom here? Well, she's down here to see a friend. Um, And I just, as we're walking through the the airport, I just kept repeating over and over, for I know the plans you have for me, plans to prosper and not harm me, to give me hope in a future. And walking toward me was the woman that I'm still married to, who was still living in our home, and she's holding the hand of her lover. And so I just was walking. I know the plans you have for me, Lord, plans to prosper and not harm me, give me hope in a future. And then I handed Kyle off to her, gave him a hug, and started running and bawling like a baby. But I just clung to that God's got a plan for us. And it's a plan to prosper and not harm us, to give us hope in a future. And I would guarantee you there's stuff like that going on in this congregation right now. And I just want to implore you to hang in there and just believe that God's got a plan for you. All those in favor, say amen. amen. We've got to believe that. The second of the six-pack, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we'll reap the harvest if we just don't give up. I do a lot of work these days with men and women who are suffering from addiction, criminal past, military fatigue, And they can get down on themselves sometimes and encourage them to go out and do good works for somebody else. When we get down on ourselves, we get into our own thinking, that stinking thinking, right? It's a good opportunity to go out and do something good for somebody else. That's what I love about novation. You all are going out and doing good works. Never grow weary of doing good for at the proper time, we'll reap the harvest if we just don't give up. It's that old law of circulation, the old boomerang effect, you know? One of my favorite examples of the truth of never growing weary of doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap the harvest was, this was a few years ago, I'm out in Pasadena, California, getting ready to watch the Buffs play the UCLA Bruins. So I, you know, I covered the Buffs for 20 years, and that's where the story happened. But actually, I'm in Kansas City, getting ready to speak on a Saturday morning, and I wasn't due on stage until 10 o'clock. So I woke up about six o'clock in the morning and I'm lying there in bed saying, okay, what can I do for four hours just to kill some time? And the first thought I had was I'll go to the gym and get a workout in. So I'm a big believer in a sweat a day keeps the doctor away. Sometimes you'd like to morph it into a sweat a day keeps the devil away. uh, Anyway, so I woke up and I'm sitting there going, okay, I got four hours to kill. What can I do? I thought I'm gonna go get a workout in. Then I remembered that there wasn't a gym at the hotel I was staying in. So then I'm lying there, and I thought, oh, that's right, there's a Starbucks about three blocks from the hotel I was staying at. So I thought, I'm going to go down to the Starbucks, get a cup of coffee, and just kind of see what happens. I'm curious by nature. I like to just watch people. So I looked outside. It looked like a typical cold, gray, dreary, Midwestern winter morning. Anybody here from the Midwest? That's why I love living in Colorado, man. Every day you wake up, the sun's usually out. Back there, it's always cold and gray. But I looked outside and it looked like a typical cold, gray, dreary, Midwestern winter morning. So I threw on a sweatshirt, and now I'm walking through the lobby of the hotel. And I could tell that these two doormen were looking at me kind of funny. They were two young guys, looked like they were moonlighting on the weekends from the nearby university. So I'm walking toward the door, and then finally one of them said, hey, where are you going dressed like that? I said, well, I'm just going down to the Starbucks. You guys want a cup of coffee? And almost in unison, they said, sure, dude, but hey, you don't have enough clothes on. I went, oh, don't you worry about me. I grew up here. I'm an athlete. I can handle this. I walked outside and boom. Midwestern where the wind hit me, the wind chill was like 35 below. So I was like sprinted as fast as I could to the Starbucks. I get inside the Starbucks and I'm just huffing and puffing. What am I going to do now? You know, there's no way I can sprint back to the hotel carrying a tray of coffee and pastries, and there's no way I'm walking back. It's just too darn cold. Then a brilliant idea hits me. I'll call a cab for a three-block walk. (laughs) So I reach into my pocket for my cell phone. I had left it in the room. All right, Smarty Pants, what you going to do now? It's 6.15 on a Saturday morning. There's only two or three other people in this Starbucks, and none of them look remotely interested in my dilemma. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm going to do, and then suddenly somebody tapped me on the shoulder. I turn around, and this guy says, are you Mark McIntosh? Well, yes, I am. He goes, Robert Thompson. I grew up in Denver, used to watch you all the time on TV, then I went to see you and I'm a big Buffs fan. And a couple years ago, I was out at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, getting ready to watch the Buffs play the UCLA Bruins. I'm walking around outside the stadium looking for a ticket. You walked up to me and gave me a press pass. I got to watch the game from the press box. It was unbelievable, and I haven't had a chance to say thank you. <laughs> oh, what are you doing in Kansas City? He goes, I just moved here last week. I said, oh, you live down on the plaza? He goes, no, I live out in Blue Springs. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Blue Springs to Kansas City is like Louisville to Denver. I said, what the heck are you doing down here on the plaza at 6.15 on a Saturday morning? He goes, I just stopped in here to get a cup of coffee before meeting my girlfriend for breakfast. What are the odds? Just when I needed somebody, it was like an angel tapped me on the shoulder. I said, hey, Robert, you want to show me how grateful you are? Give me a ride back to my hotel. And He did. And as I got out of that car and I handed those cups of coffee to those two smart alec doormen, it was just resonating inside of me to never grow weary of doing good. For at the proper time, we're going to reap the harvest if we just don't give up. We got to keep doing that. And I know you're doing a lot of that here at Novation, but we got to keep it up. All those in favor, say amen. amen. All right. So we got to believe that God's got a plan for us. We focus on good works for others. The third. It's Colossians 3.13. Be gentle and forgiving. Never hold a grudge. Remember, the Lord forgave us. We must forgive others. And I like to amplify that by saying, starting with ourselves. we carrying anything around today, folks? It's called the past. It can get a little burdensome. Why don't we just drop it? Got to let it go. It's one of the things we talk to the guys down at the Denver Rescue Mission all the time. They got to let it go. Is there somebody we got to forgive? Family member. Boss. Neighbor. Ourselves. We got to let it go. Can you say that with me? Just on three, let's just blow the roof off this place. Whatever it might be for you right now that we just, we've been carrying it around for too darn long. Let's just drop it right here, right now. Let's drop it. On three, we're gonna say, let it go, okay? One, two, three, let it go. Say it again, let it go. One more time, let it go. We gotta let it go. It's not serving us unless we want to be a victim of the circumstances of life and not a student of the experience. And I would suspect that most people here, we want to be a student of the experiences, right? All those in favor, say amen. amen. We got to let it go. My second marriage ended in very similar fashion to my first. Though a little salt on the wound. I knew the gentleman that my second wife had hooked up with. And in fact, he owns his own business and is one of the largest advertisers on Denver television. At this time, I was doing the morning sports for Channel 4, so a lot of times, the very last commercial, before i go on the air in the morning, I'd be putting my mic on, be putting my IFB in my ear, and his commercial would be on. And I'd just be sitting there going, be gentle and forgiving, never hold a grudge. Be gentle and forgiving, never hold a grudge. Then we come out of the commercial break, and I go, hey, everybody, here's what's going on in the Denver sports world, you know. I was just dying inside. We got to let it go. We got to let it go. But there's a happy ending. And I have a daughter from that second marriage. She's a senior at Denver East, all-conference volleyball player. She's a setter. And uh, she's either going to the University of Oregon. She's going to be a duck. And there's a guy with a duck. There you go. I think she's going to the University of Oregon. But uh there's a silver lining. Had to go through those two painful divorces. But I think this is an example of the first three of the spiritual six-pack that God's got a plan for us, focus on good works, have a forgiving heart. It opened the door for the most amazing woman to come into my life. And we just got married back in October after 12 years of dating. (laughs) And everybody thinks that it was oh, you must have been really gun-shy. heck no, I knew I've, I would have married her the minute I met her. She was the one that was gun-shy. She's 53, never been married, no kids. Very successful businesswoman. And I'll never forget, she travels internationally on business. And so she was at a conference over in Fontainebleau, France, 90 miles from Paris. I had never been to Paris, so we arranged that after she got done working, I'd fly into Paris, and we'd... Uh, have some fun. And so everybody's going, oh, you guys, because everybody's been bugging us forever. You guys got to get married. When are you going to get married? Because we've been going out for so long. And she was going, honey, do not ask me to marry you in Paris. That's just way too obvious. <laughs> but uh, I knew I was going to. I, you know, the only time that I disobey her. But, so I had it all planned out for any of you that have been to Paris, have you ever been to Sacre Coeur, that church on the north side of town? It took 40 years to build this church. It's this beautiful, big, white church. It's unbelievable. And it sits on the highest hill of Paris. So at night, all the lights of the city are below. So it's an incredibly romantic spot. So that's where I was going to propose to Kathy, even though she had told me not to do it. So the day dawns that I'm going to pop the question, and the weather absolutely is horrible. Windy, rainy, foggy, you can't see 10 feet in front of you. But I had told her there was a nice restaurant right by the church, and I wanted to tour the church and all this kind of jazz. So, you know, we get in the cab, and we get out of the cab, and I pop the umbrella, and the wind's blowing, and it's foggy. and all. We tour the church, and then it was like, it was decision time, like, I gotta go through with this, I got this ring in my pocket, and, but it, it, outside, it's frightful. So we walk out these big wooden doors at the front of the church, and she was expecting me to pop the umbrella because the <laughs> wind's all over, the rain, foggy. And she turns around, and I was on one knee. I said, sweetie, she goes, did you fall down? <laughs> and I didn't, even, I didn't even acknowledge that. I said, sweetie, this is the highest point in Paris. And on a good night, you could see the lights of the city below. But this would be the highest moment of my life if you accepted this ring as a sign of my love and devotion. I promise to love you, protect you, and entertain you the rest of your life. And she says, is this a joke? I went, no. She goes, is that real? I went, yes. And she goes, okay. So she said, yes. So if there's no perfect example to the first three of the spiritual six-pack that we believe that God's got a plan. We focus on good works and we have a forgiving heart. Good things happen. All those in favor say amen. amen. All right, the fourth, 1 Corinthians 14.8. I got this from Bill McCartney. This is long ago. It's The first night, it was the night before I was going to speak in a faith-based situation for the first time. And Coach Mack and I have become good buddies over the years. And I felt like it was the night for a big game. And so when I get all jazzed up like that, I like to talk to somebody, you know, cause I just got all this energy as Mark, Richard Simmons. really? I should have wore a headband. <laughs> I just got a vision of Richard Simmons with those short shorts. But anyway, I'm all jazzed up about getting a chance to speak and, and share. And uh, so I called McCartney and I told him, you know, what I was going to do. And he starts throwing all this other scripture at me and I was going slow down here, man. This is a tsunami of scripture. And, uh, but I did use first Corinthians fourteen eight. If the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who shall prepare for battle? Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're the trumpets. Are we sounding a clear call? Are we sounding a clear call at home? to our spouses and to our kids? Are we sounding a clear call in the workplace, to our fellow employees? Are we sounding a clear call in our communities? Because if we're not sounding a clear call, how in the world can we expect anybody to get ready for battle? I almost fell over there. I hope I didn't jess it up there. You know what I'm saying? We gotta sound a clear call. And you might say, what do you mean sound a clear call? Three things. And our thoughts and our words and our actions, do they honor God? Do they nurture those dependent upon us? And do they add value to the communities we serve? That's a good measuring stick. Are we sound in a clear call? And also, are we sound in a clear call? We better make sure that the Bible is our guide and the spirit of Jesus is our inspiration. All those in favor say amen. amen. We got to sound a clear call. So we believe that God's got a plan for us. We focus on good works for others. We have a forgiving heart. We sound a clear call with the Bible as our guide. And the Spirit of Jesus is our inspiration. The fifth is First Peter 3.15. In our hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for such hope that lies within. But we do this with gentleness and respect. You know, to have people say, what is it about you? What is it? You've just got a spirit about you. And to this, this tells me that, man, in my heart, I will always honor Christ as holy. And I'm ready to answer questions for anybody that says, what is it about you? But I do it with gentleness and respect. And I grew up in Missouri. Missouri is the? There you go. We've passed some geography here. Very good. Congratulations. Missouri is a show-me state. I grew up in Raytown, Missouri, a suburb of Kansas City, right out by Arrowhead, where the Broncos and the Chiefs and play and all that kind of jazz. And I just grew up in a community that always told me, son, your actions will speak far louder than your words. And so, by golly, if somebody asks me about my faith, I am more than willing to share it. But until they ask me about my faith, I'm gonna show them. I think we're doing too much talking these days and not enough showing. And that's what I love about novation. That's not you all. You're going out in the community and doing good works. We got to show people. We'll be far more attractive to bringing people to the kingdom of Jesus Christ by showing them than telling them. We got to show them. All right. So we got a handful Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. We got to believe that God's got a plan for us. Galatians six nine, we focus on good works. Colossians three thirteen, we have a forgiving heart, especially towards ourselves. We sound a clear call. First Corinthians fourteen eight with our actions speaking far louder than our words, First Peter 3.15. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, if we could have that type of spirit about us, that, man, we know that God's got a plan for us, we focus on good works, we have a forgiving heart, we sound a clear call, and our actions are speaking far louder than our words, we will have a spirit about us that is Christ-like. We will have a spirit about us that's off the charts. And that takes us to Galatians 5.22.23. There are nine fruits to that type of spirit and they're pretty darn powerful. The fruits of that type of spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love the way this ends. Against such things, there is no law. Can you imagine? What would this world look like? But that's not exactly easy to do, right? When you get poked in the eye, when you find out that a child is sick, a spouse is leaving you, a job has been eliminated, and we're supposed to stay rooted in love and joy? How can I be joyful for that? Peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and under control? Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's not easy. That's why we need each other. We need to encourage one another. I've always loved the definition of encourage, to give hope and confidence to. Can you imagine if we were all walking around with hope and we were all walking around with confidence? What would this world look like? But how can we get here? And more importantly, how can we stay here? How can we stay rooted and a spirit about us that starts with love and ends with self-control because we know, say it with me, folks, against such things, there is no law. How can we do that? I think that's where we got to really encourage each other. we got to give each other hope and confidence. We can't do this by ourselves. We need each other. A couple of weeks ago, I was speaking to a men's group and I had wrapped up the pep talk and I'm walking through the parking lot, lost in my own thoughts and just hoping and praying that somebody got some value from it. And all of a sudden I hear this guy say, Hey, Mark, turn around. There's this guy just kind of marching toward me. And I recognize him as one of the guys who had been in the crowd. Good looking dude. Arizona State baseball cap, neatly trimmed beard, had a great tan. I'm always envious of people that have a tan since I'm chalky white. That's why you wouldn't want to see me up here dressed like Richard Simmons. (laughs) Would not be a pretty sight. But this guy's just marching towards me. He didn't, you know, he looked friendly. He didn't have a hostile look on his face, you know. He goes, Mark, Abe Vasquez. I said, hi, Abe. He goes, man, I really enjoyed that pep talk. Got a lot out of it. I said, hey, nobody's getting more from this than I am. He goes, Mark, I'd like to share with you what's been my life's mission statement for the past 10 years since I got sober. I said, lay it on me, buddy. And what Abe told me, perhaps you all have heard this. I had never heard it. and this knocked my socks off. He said, Mark, yesterday is history. Tomorrow's but a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. Oh, yeah. Today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to encourage y'all as we wrap this up. Let's unwrap this present. Let's unwrap this gift. Right here, right now, let's open up that space of possibility that lies within each and every one of us to shift from whatever is to what could be in embracing the spiritual six pack. Let's believe that God's got a plan for us, and it's a plan to prosper and not harm us. Let's believe that we should focus on good works. Let's believe in having a forgiving heart. Let's believe in sounding a clear call. Let's believe in having our actions speak far louder than our words, because if we do that, we'll have a spirit about us that is Christ-like, and that starts with love, and it ends with self-control, and we know against such things there is no law. Can we do that? Can we do that between now and next Sunday? Can we just focus on just believing that God's got a plan for us? We're going to focus on good works. We have a forgiving heart. We sound a clear call. We have our actions speak far louder than our words, and we got a spirit about us that starts with love and it ends with self-control. Can we do that? All those in favor, say aye. Aye. Opposed? Oh, I wouldn't have heard you anyway. I'm listening out of my deaf ear. Thank you very much. Let's pray.